Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. It's been a wild week. I launched the merchandise for Ratchet and Respectable earlier this week on Tuesday, and most of it sold out in like an hour. I think the flask sold out in like 15 minutes. The cups might have made it 45, the sweatshirts. I don't think they made it an hour. As of right now, there are t-shirts and there are v-necks and and mugs. I put up a pre-order for flasks and mugs and I ordered a a ton of flasks for the first round and the second round. And the flasks are gone. They're, They're just, they're gone. And the mugs, I think I have 30 or so left. The t-shirts, small, medium, large, there are still small, medium, and large left. Everything else is is wiped out. I'm doing my best to restock the sweatshirts and also get hoodies. Everybody and their mom wants a hoodie, and hoodies are just not available. I thought it was just LA, but nationwide. I have a bunch of friends that also sell t-shirts and sweatshirts. One of my really, really good friends, and one of my favorite people on earth, she's like literally the nicest person I've ever met. Diana, who does District of Clothing. You've seen those shirts that say Trust Black Women. That's District of Clothing. That's her, her brand. But I was like ranting and raving online. I was like, I can't find these sweatshirts. They're sitting on the port in Long Beach. They won't release them. And she was like, it's not just Long Beach. She's like nationwide. There's like a sweatshirt shortage. Like call it another casualty of 2020. So I was like, oh, it doesn't make me feel better because my readers are like, so the hoodies. So the hoodies. So the hoodies. I have the only Ratchet and Respectable t-shirt in existence. Ratchet and Respectable is trademarked. If you try to put on a shirt, I will sue you because this is my baby. Thanks. So a great drop. I didn't think it was going to be a drop. I was like, oh, I'm going to open this online store for Ratchet and Respectable. I, I really didn't think it was going to sell out. Like the hour before my site went live, I was laying in bed like deep breathing Cause I was so nervous and I was like, what if I like, you know, put all this stuff on sale and no one buys anything in retrospect, it sounds crazy, but at the time, and I do that before everything, it it drives me nuts. And I remember talking to one of my really good friends who's very, very successful. If I dropped their name, you would know who they are, but they were like, when you stop getting nervous, it's time to go do something else. The nervousness means you care. The nervousness means you're invested. If you don't get butterflies, go do something else that gives you butterflies. Like what you're doing is not for you anymore. So I was like, oh, that's good advice. So I promise you, I'm working on the restock for sweatshirts. It's not going to be until 2021. And hoodies, more than likely not until 2021 either. But there is still some merch, especially if you're, you're a petite woman. The, the extra larges, double XLs. You know, folks got titties. So... You know, they need a little more space, and that's fine. I'm happy to clothe everyone who wants to be clothed. If you would like to wear Ratchet and Respectable on your chest, we will find a size that fits. I, I am happy for your support. So, again, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because you don't have to buy a thing. And there's 50 million other things that you could be doing with your finances. So I greatly, greatly appreciate your support um, of Ratchet and Respectable for purchasing and also for just listening. Because, again, you got 50 million options, and you chose to listen to me. 
and a bunch of other people too. I guess Spotify is doing their um, their recap of the year. So they'll send people their top five playlists and they'll tell you how many minutes that you've spent listening to a particular podcast. People have been posting their top five and their minutes in their IG stories and tagging me. And I was like, oh, I'm in good company. A lot of folks also listen to The Read. They also listen to the Michelle Obama podcast. And I was like, well, shit, those are two of my favorites too. Good company. Therapy for Black Girls, she's high up there. Again, I listen to her too. So good company. I mean, you, I think you have great taste for coming here, but you also got great taste when you go other places. Um, what else is going on? LA is closed un- until further notice. Restaurants have been closed for a while. We haven't had indoor dining since maybe July, but they closed that a couple months ago. But we could still go on rooftops. We could still sit outside. It was 75 degrees yesterday in LA. Like we're still walking around in t-shirts. So it's fine to sit outside, but they shut that down. I think the last day to eat outdoors was Friday. And then yesterday on Wednesday, Mayor Garcetti sent a text message to everybody saying, quote, All persons living within the city of Los Angeles are hereby ordered to remain in their homes. Non-essential businesses are closed. Gatherings outside of your household are prohibited. This man told us to, quote, cancel everything, which I knew was coming at some point because L.A. numbers have been really bad. The number of of COVID infections has tripled. Deaths have doubled. um, And we're not Atlanta. We actually give a fuck out here on the West Coast. Our leadership is actually trying to save lives, not just say, fuck everyone. And also, unlike Atlanta, we have a governor who allows the mayor to make the best decisions for, for L.A. Mayor Keisha wants better for Atlanta, but the governor sued her. Remember that? He sued her because she tried to, like, make masks mandatory in Atlanta. Atlanta is wide the fuck open. Like, I'm going to pray for y'all because y'all, y'all going to die. Y'all going to die. The good news about everything being closed, at least on this side of the world, is there's a lot of like good TV, films, and books coming down the pipeline. Bevy Smith, she is my long-term mentor. I met her when I was an intern at Vibe when I first moved to New York many, 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 many years ago. 20? Yeah, 20. I moved to New York in 2000. I was there until 2017. I met Bevy the fall of, of 2000. She has always been amazingly kind to me, and she's always been very free with her advice professionally and personally. She's been very much so a blessing in my life. She has a few people that she calls her lambs, and I am one of her lambs. She has a book coming out on January 12th, Bevelations, Lessons from a Mother Auntie Bestie. I, I cannot wait to read that. I know some of the story, because like I said, she's very free with advice, but she's also very free to speak about her, her ups and downs and her successes and her challenges in life. So I know details to some stories. I know the overarching view of her life story, and it's not even made for a movie. It's, it's a TV series. You need like a good limited series to, to get to most of the details. You're still going to have to skip some stuff. She's had a fascinating life. One of my biggest takeaways from Bevy, and there are so, so many, I don't want to spoil her book, but one of my biggest takeaways from Bevy has always been to show up as who the fuck you are. There is no difference between Bevy on camera, off camera. Bevy is just Bevy 24-7 consistently, um, and I love that about her. You always know who you're getting. When, when Bevy calls, when Bevy shows up, you always know exactly who you're getting. 
okay, one more story. I'm not doing a whole bevy podcast, but I just, I believe in honoring the people who show up for you. When I left New York, 2018, I was in and out the country. I was bouncing around. I'd come back to go to divorce court. And then I'd be just so like pissed and upset at like the state of my life. I would just leave and go to another country. First world problems, blessings, right? But Bevy called me one day and was like, so, lamb, how are you? And I was like, yeah, I'm all right. You know, life sucks and whatever else. And she was like, okay, so here's the thing. Like, you've, you've taken your time off. You're, you're getting yourself together. But she was like, you've gone, you know, too far off in the wilderness. It's, it's time to come back. It's time to, to pull it together. It's time to show up and be present again. You've gone through this thing that's really bad. But, you know, it's divorce, not death. All the things that, that we like about you that made you you, they still exist. And I think, I think she said, we, we showed up for you. Like you introduced us to him and now he's gone away. And that's okay. That's fine. You know, we hope he lives a happy life. But you're still here and we still want you. So come on back to the fold. Let's pull it together and let's put out a project. Let's, let's, let's get some things going again. We, we want to see you again. We need to see your face. And I was like, oh, all right, let me. I mean, pull my shit together. And I mean, I didn't pull my shit together that day. Eventually, you know, I came back around. I appreciate her for many things, but I definitely appreciate her for that moment. There were many people that when, you know, I hit rock bottom, never to be heard from or talked to since. But there were also people who, who showed up and was like, this chick need help. So let me help. Speaking of which, right before I sat down to do this podcast, I got a text from a very good friend, one of the most talented people I know, talented, works hard, does all the right things. And just for whatever reason, life is not coming together for my friend. And about once a week, I get a call or a text or an email from a friend, from a stranger, but from someone in crisis who is just like, what the fuck is life? I'm, I'm flailing. I don't know what to do. How did you get through? I'm, I'm at my wits end. Help me. I shared the response that I gave to my friend on Facebook, just the response. A lot of people are going through hard times and a lot of people need help. And if you've never hit rock bottom before, you think the world has ended. When I went through that divorce, like I'd been coasting along for like most of my life. I had bad breakups. I lost jobs. Like I've been financially strapped, but I'd never just like bottomed out where it's like, my professional life, my finances, my emotional state, my living situation, like my marriage, everything that, that mattered to me just fell apart all at the same time. And I was like, what the fuck? It, apparently it happens more than once in life. If you talk to people who are like 75 and up, but apparently the first one is the worst because you don't know, like if you've coasted along, you think like, oh, this is life. And then, it, you know, you hit rock bottom and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, is this now, is this new life? Like, no, life is peaks and valleys and sometimes feeling crazy and out of sorts and everything falling the fuck apart. It's normal. It's normal. And if all you do is scroll social media or or you talk to people who either it hasn't happened to yet or they haven't been honest about it happening to them, you think that it's not normal. You think that people aren't going through the exact same shit that you're going through. I shared part of my story with my friend. I told him about how I used to like march up and down the hills in my parents' neighborhood, listening to Vashon Mitchell. It's turning around for me. And I listened to the chorus, which I didn't believe it. I didn't have faith in it. I hoped that that chorus was true. 
And that's really all I had was hope. And, and I remember being like, please, please, God, don't drop me off here and not like this. I shared my testimony with my friend in hopes that it could give friend the encouragement needed. But I also was very frank and was like, look, I believe in God. I believe in gospel music. I believe in testimonials. I believe in self-help. I believe in self-care. But I also believe in therapy. And so I know we do ads on here for better help, and this is not one of them. But if you are in crisis, if you feel like your bottom has, has fallen out, if you feel like you're turning around in circles and you don't know what else to do, please give these better help people a call. Professional counselors, they're trained to help people. Please get your ass some help. Please. I'm leaving my soapbox now. We're going to go back to talking about pop culture. I just feel like I need to put the PSA out there. Ain't no shame in asking for help. And if you feel shame, just don't tell nobody. Just go get the goddamn help. That's all you got to do. I fully support United We Rise, a new Black-led national effort to unite and mobilize a collective force to end the HIV epidemic in our community and uplift the quality of life for hashtag every black body. The effort focuses its work within five key areas. One, black leadership and organizations. Two, black community engagement. Three, policy. Four, intersectionality. And five, sexual and gender identity. And all UWR represents the diversity of the black community and its leadership who are dedicated to HIV and racial justice for every black body. The time is now for us to celebrate our diversity and the power in our unity. Support United We Rise. For more information on the United We Rise campaign and to volunteer, visit www.everyblackbody.org. Sister Soldier also has a book coming out. It's called Life After Death. It's a sequel to The Coldest Winter Ever, which I've read that damn book like five times. I love that book. I've also been waiting on a movie for that book for like, what, 20, 25 years now? It's not too late. We, we still making Shakespeare movies. That man been dead for 400 years. I'm not saying the coldest winter ever is Shakespeare. What I'm saying is it's been 25 years and people still want this goddamn movie. That was a damn good book. I can tell you all the details from that book and I haven't read it in like at least 10 years. Please deliver us this film. Until such time, Sister Soldier is blessing us with a new book. It comes out in March. Wasn't there already a sequel? Is this a second sequel? I remember she had a book called Midnight and I bought that book. It was a big old fat book, like Bible size book. And I read it in like a weekend. This guy I was dating at the time bought it for me because he knew how obsessed I was with Sister Soldier. And that book came out like 10 years after the coldest winter ever. That book was, how do I say this? I hated the plot, but I loved the writing. I love the way Sister Soldier can string together a sentence and a description. Like as a writer, she's a hell of a writer. Midnight was not my favorite, but because the coldest winter ever was so damn good. Now we get to find out what happens to winter. I'm, I'm like really excited. I want to interview her. You think Sister Soldier would come on the show and talk to us? I'm going to reach out. It's like what, 50,000 of us every episode? We're not the biggest podcast. You know, we're not doing like Joe Rogan numbers. And I can personally tell you like we support. We do show up. I do believe we would show up for the release of this book. So I'm going to ask. That's all you can really do, right? Ask for what you want. All she can say is no. But I hope she says yes. She's one of my favorite writers.
I've been watching a ton of TVs. I prepackaged all the merchandise. So I just sit on the floor packing up stuff. Like I moved the couch out the way. I'm, I'm in the middle of the floor surrounded by boxes. And I just watch like TV like for hours at a time while I'm packing. So I've been like binging. I watched The Undoing, the limited series on HBO with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. It's good. You're going to be mad at yourself at the ending. And I want to choose my words carefully because I don't want to give anything away. It's a whodunit. And I'm not going to tell you anything else because I didn't really know what it was. I just saw all these people raving about it. And so I was like, well, let me see what they're talking about. I'll give it an episode. I watched all six episodes in one sitting. Like, I could not look away. I was like, oh, my God. He, what? It's really, really good. But again, at the ending, you're going to be like, are you serious? Are you serious? Are you serious? What else? I watched this Christmas. I watched The Preacher's Wife, which... Now I watch these films and I notice like all sorts of different things. Like when I was watching this Christmas, I was like, how many bedrooms did this house have? Because like all the kids came home. Nobody seemed to be sharing a room. Lauren London brought her boyfriend home. This is a black household. So surely she wasn't sleeping in the bed with her boyfriend. So he had his own room. And then Columbus Short's white girlfriend comes, she gets her own room, and then like the two dudes that are stalking Idris Elba, they come. Now they share a room. There was twin beds in a room. But still, I was like, this house got to have 10 rooms. It's a big ass house. But this is the stuff I think about now when I'm watching films. And I was like, how many rooms is that? How many square feet is that house? Plus they had a shed, which means that house was sitting on some decent land. And then I was watching The Preacher's Wife, Husband Courtney B. Vance is not paying attention to wife Whitney Houston because he's involved with the church. And then Angel Denzel shows up and he was like, oh, okay, well, you go entertain my wife. Take her dancing, take her ice skating, take her shopping. I was like, sir, do you see what this angel looks like? I said this online and people were like, well, maybe Demetria, he just trusted his wife. I mean, trust your neighbor, but guard your camel. Like, get the fuck out of here. That's like Amber Rose showing up as an angel and be like, oh, I'm an angel. I'll go dancing with him. No, the fuck you won't. No, the fuck you won't. I'll go dancing with him. You can stay here and watch the kid. How about that? But I was like, this movie is unrealistic. No man in his right mind, minister or not, trusting wife or not. Ain't no man that looks like Denzel hanging out with my damn wife. And when I said it online, I was like, you know, Denzel in the 90s. Because that was like, you know, Pete Primo Denzel. But Denzel as he is... 30 years later, my wife could be a whole lesbian. She not hanging out with Denzel either. Take my wife out dancing? Get the fuck out of here. Not with Denzel Washington? You're crazy. That's the original Mr. Steal Your Girl. Bye. Bye. That movie's unrealistic. I watched Hot Chocolate Nutcracker. It's on Netflix. It's, um, apparently everyone black in LA has been going to see Hot Chocolate Nutcracker forever. It's a black version of the Nutcracker that's put on by Debbie Allen and most of the performers are black, Latino, Asian, people of color, put on by Debbie Allen's dance studio. So they have a documentary about Hot Chocolate Nutcracker on Netflix. It is wonderful. In my head, I think like, oh, I'm not really into dance. Like my mom put me in ballet and tap and, and modern jazz when I was a kid, but I didn't really take to it. Like I like to dance, but I don't need to be formally trained dancing, you know? I'm also not really all that coordinated. But I was watching that and I was like, oh, I should have been a ballerina. Debbie Allen, who's like one of the sweetest people ever. I met her last year. Deborah Lee had a leading women's conference out here in California. And 
one of the breakout sessions was to dance with Debbie Allen. I am uncoordinated, unstretched. I put on my tights and I went barefoot and I, I moved myself. I don't know if it was called dancing, but I moved myself around and I felt graceful and blessed to be there. If there's video, it's trash. I will deny that it's me, but I, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. But Debbie Allen, she's, she's a sweet, sweet woman, but she's also very firm. Don't try her. When, when you're supposed to be learning or when you're supposed to have been stretched or when you're supposed to have been ready and you're not, you will see another side. But they had video from the actual performance. And it's just really good. Just to see all those black and brown beautiful people just being brown and black and beautiful. Like it's, and dancing, prancing around, stretching, being elegant, in coordination. Like, I'd be like, I'm not into dance. But I was enthralled, enthralled. It's a really, really good watch. And family friendly, if you want to watch it with the kids. It's, um, it's really good. I highly, highly, highly recommend Mm. I also saw a clip from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It was um, no more than a minute of Viola Davis. And she was talking about whatever she was talking about. But ma'am, she might as well just go ahead and clear the mantle. Make room for the next Oscar. Because ma'am killed it. Like it was, again, 60 seconds. And I was like, oh my God, she's one of the best actresses. She is amazing. I know it's Viola Davis because, like, the person kind of looks like Viola Davis. She's transformed, like, the way she holds her face. She's got a whole different voice. Like, she's not standing like Viola Davis. Like, she's standing like Ma Rainey. Because, shit, that's the character. Just, oh, oh. She's so freaking amazing. I can't wait to see that come out. That's also Chadwick Boseman's final role, which I've read some reviews about it. Across the board, everyone's like, he's phenomenal, which I expect. Nothing less. Snowfall is also coming back. I saw Damson Idris posted the trailer on his page. It doesn't give much away. Although there is a scene where like somebody is strung up on a basketball court like Jesus on the cross. I mean, they did. But like, I was like, oh, Snowfall about to be crazy. I wasn't, I wouldn't say worried about the show, but you know, John Singleton, that's, that was his baby. And he passed away. And Walter Mosley, who was also a writer on the show, left the show. Walter Mosley is, is one of the best storytellers of all time. So I was like, well, you know, well, who are they going to get? Apparently, there's no shortage of great storytellers. So we will see. You know, I've been obsessed with Damson Idris and then also Amin Joseph, who plays Ankh on Snowfall. Like, I was obsessed with them just from the show. And then I told you about the time I went to the party and then saw them in person and was like, oh, my God, they're like works of art in person. I mean, in equal, in equal measure, like they're, they're different kinds of fine, but they inspire the same. Good God, like in a screw face. But I saw them at a party and then I wrote about it. And then they sent me chocolates and wine, which I was like, you some just classy motherfuckers. Like I love classy men. So I was like, I'm, I'm a devotee of Snowfall. I will recap it. I will talk about it forever because I already love the show. And then you see your favorite actors and they turn out to be like really just dope ass dudes. Shout out to Damson Idris and Amin Joseph, both of whom like hit me and was like, next time, speak, goddammit. Blessings on blessings to both of them. Can't wait to watch the new season. What else is going on? Cardi B got Woman of the Year from Billboard. The cover is absolutely amazing. Actually, all the pictures are amazing. She's a really pretty woman. I follow her makeup artist on Instagram. That girl... Not that Cardi's a hard face to beat, but that girl does the Lord's work. I mean, that's, she's, she's an artist. Like, she's a makeup artiste. Erica, I can't remember her last name. 
But I don't know how involved Cardi is in her dressing, and I don't know who dresses her. But they keep that girl on point. Like, she, she looks really great in all of the pictures. I don't know if that was her styling team or the styling team at Billboard. I don't know. But what I'm trying to say is Cardi looked fucking amazing. Equally as amazing are Cardi's quotes, because, you know, Cardi will give you a one-liner to remember. The standout quotable from this interview was, my daughter came out my pussy rich. She goes on to talk about how her daughter swims in the pool every day. And she was like, when I was coming up, it was a community pool on weekends. Not, you know, not your own personal pool in your backyard. When I was reading the article and it's, you know, listing like all of Cardi's successes, all the records she's broken, all the deals she's had. I was thinking back to when she was pregnant and people kept saying like, you've ruined your career. You're just about to get on. People kept talking about like Lauren Hill. And I was like, Lauren Hill's absence had nothing to do with Zion. There was like 50 million other things going on with her than her child. But I remember this interview, somebody asked Cardi and they were like, well, what do you say to all the people who say that you're you know, ruining your career by having this baby? And Cardi was like, I don't know if y'all know it or not, but I'm a millionaire. I can support my child. I'm, I'm going to be okay. I would dare to say that Cardi is far more than okay. I remember I was a little worried after she had her daughter. She was supposed to be headlining for Bruno Mars and she pulled out because she was like, you know, this motherhood thing is really overwhelming and I need to like focus on my family. I can't do this tour. And I, fully forthcoming, was like, oh shit, she's not going to be able to pull it together. Like, poor girl. Because I was rooting for Cardi. I've been rooting for Cardi all along. People were like, oh my God, she's so ghetto. And I'm like, yeah, she is. But she's also fucking hysterical. People pay attention to, to the dialect in which she speaks. But if you actually listen to what she's saying, she's smart as shit. But I, I didn't know if she was going to be able to pull it together. And it's 2020. Her daughter is, what, two and change? And Cardi is Billboard's Woman of the Year for 2020. I'd say she pulled it together. WAP. Is it WAP or WAP? I had a whole popular t-shirt that said, don't waste your WAP, WAP. I have no idea. W-A-P. You know what I mean. But one of the biggest songs of the year, Cardi is, Cardi is good. Beyond good. She's better than good. So congratulations to her. What else is going on? Oh, I wanted to talk about the restaurateur in Dallas. True Bar and Kitchen, I believe, is the name. I'd never heard of the restaurant before, but I don't really be in Dallas like that. Sir Restaurateur, I'm told he's a personal injury lawyer. He did an interview with TMZ, but I didn't get a chance to watch it. I've been buried in, in preparing merch or shipping merch for Ratchet and Respectable, so forgive me if I'm not as well-informed as I could be. But I think I got the gist of this story. A video goes viral of this restaurateur addressing a room full of eating women. I believe they're at brunch. He tells the women that he wants the men to respect the women, but it's hard to do that when they don't respect themselves, which I was like, is respect for women that conditional? Like, you can't just respect them just because? They have to act a certain way? Okay, let's, 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 let's move beyond the respectability politics. But he's mad that this woman was twerking in his restaurant. He goes off on the entire room of patrons, those twerking and those not. 
And at some point in his rant, he says that he's trying to do better for black folks, give them a classy place to gather and eat and blah, blah, blah. But if they don't like it, they can, quote, get the fuck out because, quote, he doesn't need their money. So there's a longer version of the video that didn't circulate as wide. In that version of the video, it, it shows the woman twerking. She had stood up in her seat and put her hands on the glass. Yeah, not the wall, the glass. Because I remember somebody talking about what if she fell through the glass, like she could have sued the restaurant. She's twerking on the glass. And, you know, you ain't got no goddamn business twerking at a goddamn restaurant. Like, you don't. But apparently when he went off, it was the third time he had come to address that woman and some other women who were twerking in the restaurant. The time of the viral video was the third time he had come. But the first two times he was polite, more in the manner of which you would expect from a manager, owner of a restaurant. Um, and the women didn't respond to that and ignored him. And then after he went off the third time, which was on the viral video, that's when people stop twerking or dancing, whatever. And I've seen so much conversation online about whether the woman was right or the manager was right, like who was right or wrong here. Only one person can be right and only one person would be wrong. It seems like these are most people's only options in analyzing the situation. And I'd like to suggest to you, they can both be wrong, which I think they were. The first time the manager came over and was like, ma'am, Please stop twerking in my establishment. At the second time, he had the right to throw your ass out. I'm just saying. I'm not mad at the owner or manager. Actually, he's the owner. I keep calling him the manager. He's the owner. The restaurant needs a manager because the owner don't interface with the public well. He's, that's not his mission. He just needs to own. He's not a good people person. He don't need to interact with the people. The owner. I can imagine if I spend all this money to open a restaurant. I'm told the restaurant opened, I think, Labor Day. It hasn't been open very long. If I spend all this money to decorate this restaurant, right, I know how much every single thing. I know these glasses cost this. I know the silverware cost this. These dishes cost this. The, the couch, the, the chairs that you twerking on, I know how much this window pane costs. I know how much this couch costs. I know how long it took to custom order whatever this was and how long it took to get it installed. I, like all that stuff goes through your head as an owner, right? So you walk out, you see somebody standing up dancing on your motherfucking furniture, I, I see coming out and being like, okay, like, get off my shit. The second time, like, okay, please take yourself down and off my shit. Stop this shit. The third time, this is the third time you had to speak to some grown-ass people to tell them to stop doing some shit in your place? I get the anger. I get the feeling. I understand where he was coming from. I get it. If you work in customer service, you can't talk to people like that. And now if he came out, he saw these people dancing for a third time, it was at that point he should have been like, security. I've had people kicked out of shit publicly. You've seen it for much less. Have security come over, escort these women out. The women who were dancing, them, all their friends, they can go to. Goodbye. But to come in to a room full of people, some of who were dancing, some of whom were not, some of who were just minding their business, sitting down and eating the way that you want patrons to behave in your restaurant, but to come into a room full of people, a room full of women at that, tell the DJ to turn the music off and then curse at people, Tell them to get the fuck out. Tell them you don't need your money. You would never see my black ass in that restaurant again. Now, some people say the man did the right thing. I don't know how you arrived at that conclusion. That baffles me. I don't understand in what world talking to people like that. People patronizing your restaurant, no less. I don't know in what world that that's possibly acceptable. 
But a lot of people were like, oh, he was mad. Yeah, and? There seems to be this weird thing because it came up in response to last week's episode with, with John when we talked about Monique and the original Aunt Viv and how they're mad about things that happen with their producers, their co-stars, uh, streaming companies, networks, whatever. And so they've been lashing out because they're angry. And people were like, well, you can't tell someone how to be mad. You can't tell someone how long to be mad. You can't tell someone how to feel. And you can't. You can't. But I would also like to suggest to you that being upset about something, being mad about something, having your feelings hurt about something does not give you license to just lose your fucking mind and act a whole damn fool. Now, this man was upset and he went off and I don't know anything about this man. This could have been the first time he went off on somebody in, in 20 years. Maybe he coasts through life at a level three. He's mostly unbothered about most things. But that day was the day that he just flipped and people just happened to catch it on video. That's unfortunate. I hope that's not his usual demeanor. I hope that this is a learning experience for him. That he can't just be out here acting crazy like that. And I've heard people say that be like, yo, all press is good press. No, it's not. I know the name of his restaurant that I didn't know before, but I don't have any desire to go there because you're telling me you're a classy establishment, but I'm looking at your video of you cursing people out. I'm looking at a video of you telling a room full of women to get the fuck out and you don't need their money. All right, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm not trying to sit down and pay whatever I pay for food. If I go somewhere to have brunch with my friends, I'm trying to catch up with my girls. I'm trying to have a good time. If you come in telling me you don't need my money and I can get the fuck out, no, that's not a good time for me. Yes, I know the name of your restaurant. I know what you look like. I've seen that video so many times, I could probably spot that man in the street. But I don't want to patronize his business. I don't feel good about it. I don't have warm feelings about it. This isn't like the dude on a skateboard trying to get to work, drinking cranberry juice out the bottle, and now I feel really good about Ocean Spray, especially after they brought the man a car. It was a real feel-good story. All these people started skateboarding and drinking Ocean Spray and feeling real good about life. Ocean Spray was like, thank you for all this free publicity. People are buying Ocean Spray out the ass. So you say you was on this skateboard because your car broke down? We're going to get you a car. They gave that man a cranberry colored truck and it was filled with Ocean Spray. They were like, sir, you can have all the Ocean Spray you want for life. Them Ocean Spray sales must be through the roof. This isn't that. This isn't a feel-good story attached to your brand. This is a black national debate about respectability politics. It's working. Nobody's talking about your food. Nobody's talking about your drinks. So that's that. Those are my thoughts for the week. Nothing too deep. But sometimes you don't need to be. I mean, other times you do need to be. Oh, I've been holding on to this story because I couldn't figure out how, where to place it in the podcast. Okay, last story. So I go get my hair done, right? It's the black salon. So it's four other people who are being rotated at the woman who does my hair. And I, re I refuse to let anybody else put color on my hair. Neither here nor there. There's a woman at the salon, right? And you know, how, you know how people just talk free at the salon, right? So this woman was talking, she was talking to my stylist about vaginal steaming. And so my ears perked up because I've heard a lot of people talk about it. I've never had it done. It's supposed to be a very relaxing experience. I have a personal steamer at my house that I blow on my face. It calms me down when I have anxiety. This is the alternative to like putting my head on the metal table. But okay, right? So sometimes I go to sleep and I have the steam blowing on my face. It's actually really good for my hair because LA is very dry. Neither here nor there. Stay with me. 
So this woman is talking about getting her vagina steamed, right? So I'm like kind of half listening, half not. My dryer went off. I'm sitting right there. So technically I'm eavesdropping, but still. And so my stylist is, you know, this is something that she's, she's interested in hearing more. So she says, you know, well, what does it feel like? You know, what's the whole point? And so she was like, no, it's really relaxing. You sit over this little thing and then it like, you know, the steam goes up in you for like 30 minutes. And she was like, it's incredibly relaxing. It feels really good. So my stylist was like, oh, okay. And so the woman keeps going and she's, and the woman was like, okay, dad, dad, if you're listening, cause my dad listens to every podcast as soon as the notifications go off, cut the podcast off now. That's my moment of silence. So my dad has time to cut the podcast off because, you know, he got to like find it on his phone. It's, it's complicated sometimes. Okay. I'm going to continue with this story. If you're still listening, do not mention this to me ever. Okay. Okay. So the woman was like, yeah, it makes you really juicy, which everyone in the salon at that point turns around and was like, really vaginal steaming for what or what W A P. Okay. So she was like, yeah, girl, it's amazing. And she was like, and it comes in different flavors. And so she was like, I always go with the lavender. And she was like, it's very, very relaxing. But she was like, on top of that, my husband loves the taste of it. And we were like, really? It changes the flavor of it? And she was like, absolutely, it changes the flavor. And so she was like, oh, no, he loves it so much. She was like, it's built into our monthly budget. And so she was like, whenever I get the lavender, she was like, he's like, he's just eating it up. Who knew? Who knew? Fascinating. Also, it comes in peach flavor. Apparently, peach smells really good, but the taste is not very good, at least for her husband. Her husband does not like the peach flavor. He's meh on apple. So I don't know. If anyone else is getting a steaming and you've had peach or you've had apple, can you like DM me with the results of that? Because I don't want to like, you know, malign peach or apple flavors, but this woman did not give a good feedback about them, or rather her husband didn't. But lavender, she glowed. And I was like, oh, when the world reopens and I stop looking like it's 1970, I'm going to try that lavender. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to Ratchet and Respectable. I hope you'll tune in next week for another great episode. In the meantime, If you'd like some Ratchet and Respectable in your life between now and next week, you can follow me online at Demetria L. Lucas. Okay, I think that's really everything. We'll talk again soon. Bye.